are live. Yep, we got buyers. Okay, what's up, guys? This is episode seven, technically, of a podcast on Elm Street. Um, unfortunately, we, well, Brooke and I recorded episode six uh, a few weeks ago, which was part of our Christmas special, but uh, some of the audio was a little messed up. And he's a prick and is in Europe right now, so we can't uh, re-record the parts that were messed up. But whenever he comes back, we're going to do that and uh, get that episode out. Um, so I'm Mark, obviously. And uh, in replace of Brooke this week, we have uh, one of our good friends, Casey. Say hey. hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, uh, as a good host, I let Casey choose the movie this week. And uh, we'll get into that after, but um, we'll leave you in suspense for a little bit. Uh, so... Prior to this recording, I guess we were kind of going through what to talk about and whatnot. Um, so one thing that Brooke and I have started is uh, just kind of shooting the shit for the first little bit. Okay. So um, what's been up? This is the first recording since the Christmas holidays. So um, The Witcher fad, that's the thing right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not spoiling any of it. I've only got a few episodes in, but... Uh, I was worried about it being a fan of the the game itself, um, but it's really delivered. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't sure how Henry was going to be. Yeah, you know, like I've seen him on talk shows and stuff. He's kind of cool and edgy, but like I didn't know if he could deliver like the dark series. Mm-hmm. And the first moment I heard him talk, I oh, was yeah. like, "That's the Witcher's voice." Yeah, he like to it. a T. Yeah. So I mean, I'm into that. I got my brother into it, which might have been a mistake. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to over my Christmas break is uh, kind of getting to The Witcher. Um, that's the closest I've been to like horrors for a while, aside from rewatching our movie I'm not mentioning right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I'm probably like three or four episodes into The Witcher too. I know most people are plowing through it, but I heard that the second season not till like 2021, so I don't want to jump the jump the gun and finish it all in like a week and have nothing or then have to wait for it, I guess. Yeah. I feel you because it's like, uh, and they're long episodes. Yeah, they are. It's like, they're pretty much like a, almost a short movie each episode. Mm -hmm. So I mean, for myself and it's based on, and based on the books, not the games. Yeah. Um, I never played the first two games, but, um, I do know some stuff and because I played the third game, I'm kind of like, Oh my God, and it's blowing my mind because mm-hmm. like, I've not read the book. So it's, it's a lot new to me, but yeah, 2021, I, I think we got some time just to take it slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what have you been playing? I know you've been panning through some games lately. Yeah. I finally got a break from work here and uh, I just dusted the new star Wars fallen order. Uh Shout out to EB Games for that seven-day return policy because <laughs> that's where I make my bread and butter. Um, it's a great game. Any of you who are thinking that it's going to be high action, I'm letting you know now it's more like Tomb Raider and mm-hmm. Uncharted. There's a lot of like wall running and parkour type stuff and yeah. puzzles. I mean, it's a great game and the story is amazing, but it's at first it's a, it's a bit of a surprise because you're expecting – sweet lightsaber battle it takes a while to get into yeah yeah and whenever i picked it up you had already beaten it uh i think eh? or no you're pretty far into it though like you're probably three quarters of the way through yeah i I was like a day away from beating it yeah so whenever you told me all that i was like fuck 
like this sounds sh- not shitty, but it's not what I was hoping it would be. But now I've played it. I probably have like maybe five or six hours into it. And I love it so far. Like it's just like you said, like very much uncharted, very much tomb Raider. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've been playing that. Um, fuck, I think that's pretty much all I start yeah. outer worlds. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I feel torn saying this because I love Obsidian, but like it's something missing. I was talking to my the EB Games guy, Jamie, uh, and he was asking me about it. And I said, there's just something missing. And I came to realize it's the soundtrack. It has all the feels of Fallout, but there is no eerie soundtrack. You know, the old 40s mm-hmm. music. That's like you can't listen to those old music now without remembering yeah. where you were in Fallout. Yeah. And I'm playing this game and it's all the same pickup, the same mechanics, everything's the same. Yes, it's in space and it's more colorful. There's no soundtrack in the background. Yeah, that's true. And it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. All right. Um, Well, I guess that's it. We can get started. Uh, So, like I said, I let Casey choose this movie. So, do you want to go ahead and announce what it is? The big reveal is The Babadook. Right. And uh, what made you choose this one? I went with The Babadook because it's top three favorite horror movies for me. Um, As the guy shouted out unnecessarily, I have a degree in psychology. Um, So I like to really dive into um, when directors and producers are trying to make a movie uh, and the backgrounds and the film base is based on underlying mental illnesses or just topics that is everyday life that we don't talk about. So like they use portrayal of um, beasts, demons, possessions as real life mental illness. So for me, the Baba Duke, I remember the first time I watched it and I hadn't read any critic stuff on it yet. And I came away and I was like, holy shit. Like this movie is about grief and, and depression. And like that beast that she's seeing and the Baba Duke, as they're calling him is this boogeyman and he haunts her and, and it's just showing like how there's unresolved issues in her life. And as she avoids the trauma that she experienced, it just keeps coming up and building and building and the, mm-hmm. the beast gets stronger and stronger until, you know, it takes over essentially. Yeah. Um, there's a movie that I want to compare it to, but I can't remember the name of it right now. I gotta look it up here for a second. Um, I think it's yeah um so before I wake which came out in 2016 and it's not uh it's not about like mental health or or well yeah I guess it kind of is actually but uh it's got oh fuck that kid the Jacob kid from uh Good boys and, and the um, room. Yeah. yeah. So the, he's shout out. He's a Canadian actor. Yeah, he is. I think it's him that's in it. But uh, anyways, yeah. So he gets a dot. Well, I'm not going to plug this movie, but anyways, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. And you should really watch it if you haven't already. Um, that kid's a great actor. Man. He is, man. He's great. He, he's done it all. Now he's done horror with that movie that I just said. He's done comedy. He's done Good boys. like I, drama I with the room. The room. Honestly, he's such a good actor that they made him almost androgynous mm-hmm. because I thought he was a girl at first. Yeah. 
Like that was a fantastic movie and he, he crushed it mm-hmm. and he was so young. Yeah. That was, I think that was his first movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyways, we're, uh, we'll cue the theme music now. As we said in the intro, we are doing the Babadook this week. Um, so we'll start off with the synopsis as per usual. Um, so a single mother and her child fall into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book called, or sorry, titled Mr. Babadook in, uh, manifests in their home. So, I mean, with that synopsis, you really literally have no idea what the movie's actually about. Like, no. I've been finding in a lot of the synopses, synopsises that we've done in like the previous episodes, it kind of gives away like a big chunk of what the movie's about. Whereas this one's so like, I don't like it's so broad. Like you don't know what's actually well, going to be happening. Well, well exactly. And, and the thing about this movie is it was so under the radar. Mm-hmm. I stumbled upon it and watched it by myself the one night just because I remember seeing a trailer randomly when you do one of those late night YouTube yeah, browsing. Like I top s- 10 movies of 2014 yeah, yeah. or whatever. And it just popped up and I watched the trailer and I heard that damn voice. Yeah. Man. Oh, and I thought to myself, I'm watching this movie. Yeah. I, it was just dark, but like you look at that synopsis, you don't know what I was talking about mm-hmm. a children's book. Like, yeah. Was that giveaway? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Except for there's children yeah. and, and horror movies. That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, you and I talked about this last night. Um, like I couldn't believe that it's an IFC midnight film because they're like, well, this movie is low budget, but they're usually like super low budget, super campy and cheesy. And like one of those guilty pleasure kind of movies that you, you just have. throw on. Yeah. And you don't expect much, but somehow you enjoy it. Yeah. This, but, yeah. This movie, you wouldn't know. No, like this movie is like if horrors got Oscars, like I, I think this could be a, Oscar candidate. Oh, I, I put it up there just because the underlying underlying meaning of the whole movie and the acting is so done. Like if you watch this movie and you pay attention, like you watch her go through these stages of grief and even the little boy. Mm-hmm. And as they, as you know, later in the movie, they say it's been seven years since um, the incident happened that causes this grief. And, uh, it goes to show you like that stuff doesn't go away unless you actually take time to resolve it. Mm-hmm. And it does consume you eventually. Yeah. And the little boy's having all the issues in his life and, mm-hmm. you know, and so is the mom and yeah. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the cast, um, there's only like three main people that are in the movie. And then uh, there's a bunch of like people that kind of pop in here and there. Um, everybody that's, listed i didn't 
like I've never really seen them. Never, but seen they're all anything. British or Australian actors. So, so but, uh, yeah, not our forte. Yeah. So, um, leading off is Essie Davis, who plays Amelia, who is the mother. Um, other films she's been in is uh, The Matrix Reloaded, Girl with a Pearl Earring, Charlotte's Web, and Matrix. the movie Australia. I don't remember her in The Matrix Reloaded at all, but it's been like fucking years since I've Must seen have been a tiny role. Man. Yeah, maybe. Must have been. I didn't look into it that far. Um, the little boy, Noah, or the little boy Samuel is played by Noah Wiseman, and this is his first and only movie to date. He did an excellent job. I don't know how, yeah, this kid is phenomenal. It made me movie. hate him and love him. Yeah. All in the same yeah. movie. Yeah. Classic Michael Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, so he was, yeah, he was only six years old during the time of this, but I'll talk about that more a little bit later on. Um, and then Haley McElhenney, she played Claire, who is Amelia's sister, um, and Samuel's aunt, obviously. And she's from Heart and Bones, The Gateway, and like literally a bunch of movies I've literally never heard of. So I don't know. I've never even heard of the first two that I named there. It's probably just UK stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. So moving on to the director, Jennifer Kent. So her only two full-length movies are this one and The Nightingale, which came out last year. No, 2018. I think towards the end of 2018. But uh, I remember being really excited for The Nightingale, but I never ended up watching it. Um, but now that I've now that the name's fresh in my head again, I do want to go back and watch it. Uh, so yeah, there's not much to compare this movie to with her with her other. Um, it's like films. I said, it's a really it's an under the radar movie. Yeah. Now it's a big deal, but I yeah. when it came out, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and talk about a fucking debut, directorial yeah. debut. Like holy shit! Yeah, she just she touched herself. on some yeah dark stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I guess we'll dive into this movie discussion. Um, as always, there's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie, or if you uh do plan on watching it don't listen to this part fast forward it pause it go watch the movie then come back um all right so the movie opens with a car accident and it shows just amelia like kind of like you can tell that the car's flipping or it looks like it's flipping yeah they give you the portrayal of a rolling car yeah and then uh then it stops and she kind of looks over and her husband's in the driver's seat, which is in Canada or in North America is actually the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I think a, tra- a transport truck or something T-bones them after they've gone into the accident and that ends up killing her husband. Um, but after all this, it like after the car accident, it shifts like the scene shifts to a woman falling onto her bed and her son waking him up. So it, like it implies that it's just a dream that she's having. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously the dream's coming from somewhere. Um, it's the middle of the night and Samuel, he, uh, wakes her up saying that there's monsters under her bed. So she goes and checks with them and ends up reading a story to him. Uh, and Samuel kind of like, this is where you first see like a little bit of like what's going on with this kid. Cause He's- he just, he says well, when I find or I'll kill the monster when it comes, I'll smash its head in. Yeah. Like what six year old says that like where's this coming from yeah he's he and the way they do the filming like it 
everything's so gloomy and dark and we're not even into that stuff yet but like the portrayal from this young like six-year-old actor is just gritty and dark like you feel it right from there when he says i'll kill him it kind of startles you a little bit because yeah that's how old and you don't know anything about him now you're just like how old is this kid yeah he's talking about killing monsters yeah and like graphically, yeah. Like not just saying like I'm going to kill this monster. It's just like he knows he's I'm going to smash his head in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyways, they both end up falling asleep in the same bed, and Samuel's grinding his teeth in his sleep. And I think this is a sign of of nightmares or something like that. Sign nightmares. A lot of times, this also do with like PTSD. Yeah. So, um, yeah, grinding teeth is a stress related thing a lot yeah. of times. So, yeah, that that's kind of giving you that underlying. Oh, this young man is stressed about something. Mm-hmm. He's grinding his teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, the next morning, the mother's, or Amelia, sorry, is the mother's name. She's still in bed. And uh, you can see the kid use, or Samuel, sorry, I keep saying the kid. <laughs> and she actually says in the movie, stop calling him the boy. Um, so the next morning, Samuel is uh, using a handsaw and a hammer to build some sort of weapon. And again, it's like, what six year old? does this yeah like, there's there's no blueprints he's just no he's just doing it yeah. yeah and then so she wakes up to a loud bang and like glass smashing and samuel has rigged up some fucking back mounted catapult with a lever <laughs> on it that shoots like those uh heavy like indian balls yeah they, they play lacrosse with or something love the movie but it was a bit eccentric for a six-year-old to just randomly know how to build a catapult like, but i mean like this is engineering <laughs> like this, this kid is, i couldn't build a catapult no. i'm 29 years old exactly so. <laughs> yeah it's like where the hell um so anyways yeah. she uh she wakes up and runs downstairs just as he's shooting a ball through uh, one of the windows yeah. in their house um so in the next scene, they're getting ready to leave and he hugs his mother and like kind of appall- like he's apologetic for smashing the window. And then she's hugging him back, but then he like squeezes really hard and she like kind of freaks out on him, yells at him not to do that. And like, I mean, I have a three-year-old kid and the tighter he hugs me, the more I like it kind of thing. Yeah. But so I don't know, like, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, it's weird. <coughs> it's weird. It's more like an, a. Uh... It was almost like portrayed as aggression. Yeah. Like like the bull. Like he's like almost like trying to hurt her. Yeah, like he was feeling guilt about it, but then he was angry that he was apologizing. Yeah. It was weird. It yeah. was a very weird yeah. portrayal. So she um, drops him off at school and it looks like a private school to me. And then she ends up going to work. She's a PSW or a nurse or something in, in like an old age. Yeah, she does like, like nurse care or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, she ends up getting a phone call from the school and Samuel's in trouble again. Um, she, it, it's learned that Samuel has some significant, uh, behavioral problems. Um, and the, I'm assuming it's the headmaster kind of says like, he needs a mentor. Uh, like we can hook you up with somebody who can watch him and kind of work with him more closely to help with these problems. Yeah. And I worked with kids a lot. Um, and, and it's a very common theme when young young boys don't have an older male role model. Yeah. So like his father being passed away from this this dream accident, and it's just the two of them behavioral issues become a thing mm-hmm. as they start becoming aware that they don't have a father. Yeah. Or a male influence in their life. Yeah. So yeah. So that yeah, that's a natural response by the school. But yeah, he, you can see already 
we're seeing the aggression, the behavioral mm-hmm. issues, the, the lashing out, if you will. Yeah. And in this scene, you can really see like the toxic relationship him and the mother have, or him and Amelia have. Um, Cause she's, she's at the start. She's like one of those parents that it's like, there's nothing wrong with my kid. Like it's, it's, she's denying the fact, like pulling the shades over her eyes. Basically. Oh, it's the classic blinders. Yeah. Yeah. So she says, well, I'm just going to pull my kid out of the school then. And they're like, well, you can't do that. Um, like he needs to go to school. And she said, well, you worry about your shit and I'll worry about my own kid yeah. basically. And then they leave. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like she obviously knows that he has behavioral problems. It's, it's like, does she just not want to admit it? Or does she feel like she can deal with it herself or. Yeah. It's like, she's got a, a single mom, like, you know, she wants to take care of everything and she's been doing it obviously for like six years. I think he's six, seven years is how old he is in this. And, yeah. Um, yeah. She's probably just used to doing it for so long that she, no one's right but her in the situation. Yeah. And obviously she's got some underlying feelings. Like you could see the dark tones. Mm-hmm. So after this scene is uh, where you first meet Claire, who is Amelia's sister and uh, they're in the- alert. Yeah. No kidding. Um, they're in the park um, with uh, Samuel and Ruby, who is Claire's daughter. Um, and they're talking about how the kids have like birthdays that are close. Like the dates are close and they normally have a joint birthday, but Ruby doesn't want to have a joint birthday with Samuel this year. She wants to have her own. It has to be princess themed and all this stuff. Um, But it's kind of like, you can tell that there's that underlying tone of like, we basically don't want your kid to have any part of this. Yeah, like, like she's got could, that bitchy tone to her. Yeah, and you could already tell like there's an like they're ostracizing. Yeah, them. yeah, they're ostracizing them from the family event. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this scene too, like Samuel is so desperate for Amelia's attention, he's yelling her name constantly. And this is actually the scene where I texted you and I was like, "Man, this kid is fucking insufferable!" Like just screaming, "Mom, mom, mom, mom!" And he's climbing up the the swing set, and then finally, somehow. He somehow gets Amelia's attention and she looks over and he's standing on top of the swing set, like that crossbar. Yeah, yeah. And he's standing on it, like not sitting on it, just standing straight up on it. It's like, holy fuck. Man, the kid, and like, he does such a good job, yeah. though, because it's like, it's like I said, like a Michael Shannon thing. It's like his character, right from the get go, you're like, oh, he's a kid, so you want to have that compassion for him. Yeah. But he, they, she, they really convey like the everyday nuisance that he is to the mom and you can see you're getting so fed up and burnt out all the time talking to him and you only get the glimpses of like the scenes that they're showing us like that swing set scene where you just hear his whiny little voice and it's just like pins and needles the back of your neck and you yourself want to yell at the tv like shut up i'm talking you want to just tell this kid to behave but oh yeah he he was he's so insufferable at the beginning of this movie and, and like you take pity on the mom Mm-hmm. And you, like you said, she looks like exhausted yeah. throughout this entire movie, like from start to finish, it gets worse as the movie goes on, but like right from the first minute, she like just exhausted. Yeah. She's burnt out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so anyways, they end up leaving the park and he's screaming and crying in the backseat of the car. I I had originally thought that he'd fallen off the swing set, but yeah, yeah. it does. It I don't think he did. Oh, he's just, he doesn't seem injured. He's just like crying these fake tears because they had to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Classic kid not wanting to leave the park. <laughs> yeah. 
so they're walking up to the house and, um, and he just kind of looks exhausted himself too. Like at that point, like, and I kind of chalked it up to like, he just had this huge crying fit. Yeah, so anyone with kids knows that for a temper yeah, tantrum, they're exhausted. Exactly. Um, and then they walk into the house and their dog Bugsy, I believe his name is, is scratching at the basement door and you don't really think anything of it, but I like, I knew it was coming later on in the movie. So I made sure I put this down. There was foreshadowing. Yeah. That was like hundred percent a foreshadowing moment right there. Um, so after all that, they sit down and eat their supper. Then they do their nightly monster check and lay down for a storybook. And this is when we see um, Mr. Bobdick mm. with the book. Um, Amelia's never seen it before. She starts reading it and she's like immediately sees that it's a little too dark. freaky and dark for a six year old to be reading. Yeah. And she, and it's kind of made aware that like, that's her thing. She reads books to him each night. Yeah. So this book randomly pops up and you look at it and Oh yeah, it's dark. Like all the co- there's no color in the book. It's no. all, it's all dark tones and it looks like it's hand drawn, like very yeah amateurly. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's creepy even to look at it. But as she starts reading it, it feels like it could be a normal book. But then with the and I gotta say, I really like what they do with the background noise. Is they really build the anticipation as she mm-hmm. reads the letters. At one point in the book, she actually goes. To say, oh, no, no, let's pick another book tonight. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, mom. And he starts having a little fit saying that, you know, I get to pick the mo- a book tonight. Yeah, you, you said, said I, I got to pick. pick the book. Yeah. And, of course, she can't take it back. And she's halfway through the book. But she's already picked up that this is a book that is pretty dark. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's not something you want to read to your kid right before bed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's, she's going through the book. And then it starts getting darker and darker. And this is where you start to see, okay, this is. There's a lot of foreshadowing, but a lot of undertone of what they're talking about. As, mm-hmm. as talk, like the big theme is letting him in, yeah. Mr. Babadook in. Yeah. And then it finishes the last thing with a heightened noise in the background for suspense, like eerily. And then the last thing it says is you'll end up dead, essentially. Yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. okay, this guy, this book, that's when you get that first glimpse. Because as Mark and I were saying before, if you go into this movie blind mm-hmm. and you read that synopsis, what do you know about this book? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Now you know the last word of the book is dead. Yeah. So it, it really sets the tone. Yeah. <clears throat> so like you said, after she gets to that point, she, she stops reading it. And uh, the next scene, she's reading a new book and Samuel's crying while he's laying on her lap. Um, so he ends up falling asleep. And this is when she reads it a second time and reads it right until not the end of the book, but where the book finishes. Yeah. So at this point, so it's like maybe halfway through the actual physical book and then the story ends and then there's just a bunch of blank pages that she's like kind of flipping through, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Like, and that's great foreshadowing. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's like their story's not been told. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this movie is fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You go into it and you're expecting, you never heard anything about it. You're expecting, you know, it's like horror movies. Yeah. You go into it, you're not expecting something amazing. Mm-hmm. You're always expecting like this is going to be good, but you don't know when they're really going to deliver something that actually makes you pause. Yeah. Like I remember watching this movie and I paused it multiple times because I watched it at home by myself. And when I really love a good movie, I'll pause it because mm-hmm. if I see a scene that really makes me think about symbolism or what the fuck did that mean, yeah. I have to pause it because I have to appreciate it. Yeah. So that's why I like watching movies alone. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you there were multiple times in this movie where I was like, 
shit, this movie's going somewhere with yeah. all this. Yeah. And that was one of them. That was one of the scenes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so after Samuel falls asleep, Amelia goes downstairs and starts watching a movie. And uh, it's kind of like a like an old 1940s like romance movie. Yeah, they're trying and, to give you that creepy vibe with the old yeah old vibe movie. But yeah, obviously she's she she's, she's sad. Yeah, alone. she's like kind of reminiscing on the fact that she doesn't have someone yeah. to have that with. So she ends up going up to her room and starts masturbating. Yeah, which I that scene caught me off guard. Yeah, it caught me off guard. Yeah, I mean. It just feels like it, it's an unnecessary scene. It's me. unnecessary, but I I like it because if we're going into what we're looking at, and I mean at this point in the movie, you're not you don't appreciate it as much because you don't know the whole book, yeah. like the whole how it all ends yet. But like when I went back and rewatched, or when I went back and looked at it, I was like, oh, like this is a constant theme. Like when somebody has grief or something. They, they try to channel the stress release through sexual releases. Okay. Right. So like I look at that um, and I saw, okay, so she's had a really stressful day. Mm -hmm. So she has no romantic partner. She just saw a love movie and she's alone. So now she's got herself a little worked up from seeing this yeah. movie. She was thinking she's feeling alone, a lot of stress. And it's very often common mm -hmm. that people will masturbate right before bed. It's a stress release yeah. and helps people sleep. Yeah, for sure. So, she goes to do that. Now, when, like I said, when I first watched it, I didn't know the whole movie yet. So I was like, that's kind of like forced. But like I said, on my rewatch, I appreciate that it's an escape. Mm -hmm. It's an escape from that shitty, terrible day she just had. That yeah. whole terrible night of him freaking out. And yeah, it, it's a good scene. It, it will catch you off guard, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, so she doesn't end up getting her stress relief because Samuel comes flying through the door. That's right. <laughs> and uh, you can just see like the instant frustration on her face again. Um, so he ends up running in and saying that he's afraid of the Babadook. And this is the first scene of many where he's referencing like the Babadook's in the house. Or... And he's using its name. Yeah. Like, let's not yeah. say, he's not saying monster out of the bed anymore. Mm -hmm. He has a name for the monster. Yeah. He's identified the monster. Yeah. So he ends up sleeping in her bed with her that night and they both sleep in till 9am and he wakes up and, uh, and ends up waking her up. She's late for work. He's not going to school anymore because she just pulled him out of school. So she ends up dropping him off at her sister's who is Claire um, so she can watch him for the day. But what I really liked about that scene was like, as they pulled the sheet over the head, like it went right. Yeah. 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 And it shook and it just showed that like time passed almost as a vibration. Yeah. I thought it was great, great use of the scene because she never even looked like she fell asleep. No, it's true. That's how, it, and then she woke up looking at even more exhausted, mm -hmm. but she had been there from that time to bed till nine where she slept in. But it's a common stage of like the grief is you can rest and rest and rest, yeah, but get no rest. Yeah. So she woke up and he's mom, 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 it's nine, it's nine. Yeah. And she's just bewildered but mm -hmm. that, that it's nine o'clock. And they really want you to know that. Like yeah. that like she might have slept for nine or ten hours, but it, it only felt like she had only five minutes of sleep. Yeah. And and they really showed it because it was just a quick vibrating scene of like for maybe three seconds mm -hmm. and just to show you as a time lapse. And nothing changed except that she pulled the sheet off and there was sunlight in the room. Yeah. And Samuel was yelling, it's nine o'clock. Yeah. I really love that scene. 
So, like I said, Samuel's going to his Aunt Claire's. Uh, Amelia is at work, and uh, she has a male friend there named Robbie. And you can tell that he's kind of got a thing for her. I don't think it's reciprocated, though. Like, he's definitely in the friend zone, in my opinion. And I think she's more like... Like, she wants... Maybe she wants there to be something but she's too focused on her own shit like she doesn't want to join a new relationship mm-hmm. I, I got the vibe that's like the tension is nice mm-hmm. but like she's so caught up in her own her own stuff with the kid and her yeah. and, and just being just tired yeah. she doesn't have time for a relationship she's yeah. exhausted yeah um so anyways he tells her to leave early because she uses the excuse that samuel's at home sick um, so he says, well, just leave all covered for you and go home and be with your kid. So she ends up leaving. Samuel's not actually sick as we all know. So she just goes out and like kind of has a day on her own, like does her own thing, which some, is, which is good. Yeah. Some yeah. self care. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then she finally gets to, did she, I can't remember if she got to Claire's house to pick up Samuel or once she gets to the car, she realizes that she has 10 missed calls from, from Claire and then she gets to Claire's house and Claire's like, where the fuck have you been? Like, I've been calling you all yeah, day. Yeah, she had 10 missed calls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all day, I guess, Samuel's been talking about the Babadook again. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ends up taking him home and Samuel's having his, like, he's got this obsession with magic. And I don't know where it came from. His dad was, well, in this scene, you kind of learn, no, it's not that. Yeah, it is. Well, kind of. It's later on. But anyways, um, so he's having his own private magic show in the basement. He's got like his stuffed animals all set up and shit like like kids do. Um, And then he's also got a picture of his mom and dad together with his stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. And you see all this. And then uh, um, Amelia, I forget how she found out that he was down there. She, I think she heard something break or something fall down, yeah. right? And then he came running up the stairs and she said, you know you're not supposed to be down there. And when she goes down, she loses her shit. Yeah, but before that, before she goes down there, Robbie shows up and brings her flowers and Sam a model airplane. Oh, yeah. Saying that, saying that whenever he was sick, his mom would always get him a model airplane. And this guy's sweet on her heart. Yeah. He's trying. Yeah, and, and so he brings him the model airplane and Sam was like, I'm not sick. And he, Robbie's just like, oh, okay. Well, like I thought you were. You felt awkward for the guy. Like it was one of those scenes where you're just like, Ugh, yeah, cringe. Like, just get out of there, cringe, yeah. buddy. You made the wrong choice today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Amelia ends up lashing out at Sam while Robbie's there, and she said, "Oh, he's just um, being disobedient again." And that's or, a word that comes up a lot, a lot. in this movie. Yeah. Disobedient. Yeah. Um, but she like really shames Samuel in this scene. Oh, she misplaced. It was, I, she got caught in her lie. Yeah. And she misplaced her anger towards the side. Yeah. Cause she's guilty for it. She just, she's like, he's so disobedient. You can't even go to school anymore. And then Sam retaliates and says, well, you won't even let me have a dad. And then he runs upstairs. And, and then that's the first time we get to see the anger about the father. Yeah. 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 And sure. You don't see Robbie leave, but she ends up coming back into like down the hallway and she's by herself at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when she goes down to the basement and sees um, he's a musician. So she sees all of his music it's violin. Well, she yeah. sees all of his paperwork on the floor, like all of his music notes on the floor. So she starts picking it all up and then she sees the little audience that Samuel's got set up, sees the picture of the, the her and 
um, Oscar, her ex, well, her passed away husband, <laughs> not her ex, her deceased husband. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, so she sees that and she kind of like holds it to her chest for a minute, and then she looks over at the wall, and Samuel has Oscar's um, outfit set up on the wall like as if he's kind of standing there so he's got his hat hanging on the wall and then he's got his his shirt his pants for his dad yeah exactly it was really sad yeah it was definitely um and he's got you see a violin propped up there too so you know that that's his dad's yeah yeah, it's his dad's yeah that was a sad scene yeah it was um so after this they're eating supper and i can only assume it's that night they're eating soup oh yeah for supper and she ends up biting into a piece of glass that was in her soup. And she's like, what the fuck? So she tells Samuel not to eat any of it. She pulls his bowl over, flips through it a little bit, sees that there's no glass. So she's like, okay, must be fine. Yeah. Then she goes back to her own and, excuse me, there's another piece of glass in her soup. And she looks at Samuel like as if he did it. Yeah, he says it's the Babadook. Yeah. Again, it's like he's played... Well, we don't know if it's him doing this shit or well, this, if it is the Bobadil. And this is the greatest thing about this movie is as you start understanding it further and further, well, let's understand the underlying tone of this scene. Everything, as this movie goes on and on, you start getting like secondhand tired from watching it. Yeah. All her scenes, she her body language is heavy <laughs> and glue, like is there hallucinations? You, you don't know. And yeah. that's what kind of makes it such a ride because – as everything's happening after that first scene where the time lapse happens, stuff starts building. Like, is this really happening or not? Yeah. And you don't know. Yeah, exactly. You really don't. Mm-hmm. So she ends up, so after she finds a second piece of glass, she ends up telling um, Samuel to go watch a movie and she'll make something else. Yeah. So he ends up, he does go watch something else, but then he ends up going upstairs. Um, she goes up after him and finds the picture of, uh, of her and Oscar, but at this point, Oscar's face is all scratched out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I didn't notice if the glass was broken on it or not. Because I, you think that's where the glass came? Yeah, from. you would assume that that's where the glass came from. Hey, yeah, but it's I didn't a end up frame. Yeah, I didn't notice that. That's good insight. Yeah. Um. So she ends up getting him in trouble, and he again. I don't think at this point he says it was the Babadook, but he runs and grabs that catapult. So, like, as if to say, like, I'm going to get this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's ready to defend. Yeah. And she ends up grabbing the catapult. Yeah, she had enough of that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, enough. Yeah. And this is where you see, like, a lot of aggression with Samuel because she goes to grab it and she's, like, kind of crouched down. So, her balance is off and he runs up to her and, like, throws her to the ground. Yeah, he blew her up. Yeah. And he goes, do you want to die? And I was like, Jesus. Um, (laughs) That was intense. Yeah. Because he went zero to ten. Yeah. It's like, okay, are you going to kill her or is the, the Baba, Baba Duke? Yeah. yeah. And that's where we're still underlying. Is he the Baba Duke? Is yeah. he being the Baba Duke? Is he acting as the Baba Duke? Or is he the Baba Duke there? Yeah. And he sees it. Yeah. And it's such a mind fuck, this movie. Yeah. Um. So she, it's nighttime again. She's, in, she's downstairs and uh, Samuel, no, it's not. Well, yeah, it's night nighttime, and not like bedtime. Night. No, 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 no. So she goes downstairs, and uh, Samuel thinks that he sees something in the wardrobe, and then uh, from from downstairs where Amelia is, you can hear a big bang, and she runs upstairs, mm-hmm. and the wardrobe's down on the ground, 
and Samuel's hiding underneath the bed. Um, and he's like, he's like not chanting, but like just repeats, don't let him in, don't let him in, don't let him in, don't let him in. Mm -hmm. Um, so she ends up finding that book that, uh, she had hidden. I forget where she found it. Did she hide it? She hid it. When did she destroy it? Was it right now? Okay. I'm trying to remember that. Like back to back. I remember that the first she read it and it was blank. Yeah. Now this is the scene where she gets it again. This is the scene where she rips it all to shreds yeah. and then throws it down to the garbage. Yeah. Cause shit gets too real. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at night the electricity's crackling. Um, and she hears movement in the wardrobe and then she goes under the blankets again. Like this is kind of a common theme too. Like it's almost like a childlike sort of thing where like she's going under the blankets to hide from this yeah. monster that's in the house. Yeah. And the thing that they're doing is they're portraying the Babadook as the boogeyman. Yeah. And as anyone, anyone who's ever been a kid, which is everyone. Yeah. You remember when you got scared in your room. Yeah. You pulled the blanket over your head to protect you from the boogeyman. Exactly. I can tell you I've done it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I still do it. <laughs> <laughs> I get spooked at night. I always think a blanket over my head is going to save me. Yeah. And maybe that's just childhood memories. Yeah. But they're really conveying that it's almost like they're trying to let you know the mom's slipping into the childhood. Like exactly. she's becoming the child. Yeah. And the care needs to be given to her. Yeah. So that that was a very interesting turn because she definitely keeps trying to hide under the bed. And it's also like she's using the sheet. There's clearly a problem in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the underlining tone of the movie that there's clearly a problem. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting up to address the problem, she's hiding from it. She's hiding from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that scene. Yeah. So this time when she goes under the blankets, you can see a shadow kind of go over the bed. Yeah. But you can't hide no more. Yeah. You don't <laughs> see anything. You just see the shadow. Yeah. Um, so the next day is uh, Ruby's birthday party. There's other mothers there. And I, I watched this scene and it made me so angry. I agree. Um, they're like just uppity bitches and you can no compassion. They're all like, they're, they're trying to be compassion. Yeah. They're the, doing the, the click thing where yeah. they're like, Oh, we give a shit, but listen to all our problems. Exactly. We totally get it. And she's we sitting down it. at the table and they're all standing above her. Oh yeah. Like she's got to look up to them. They're looking down at her. They're all well-dressed. Yeah. She looks like she hasn't slept in three weeks. Yeah. And uh, the one woman is saying like, Oh, I work with uh, disadvantaged women and a lot of them don't have or a lot of them have lost their husbands too and um, underlying implications yeah. like, and just snooty like you don't know what i'm going through so don't act like you do so after that like amelia doesn't respond to that but then the camera's focused on her face and you can hear them in the background saying like oh like my husband's uh schedule is so busy like i don't have time to go to the gym anymore i have to do everything at home and blah 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 and Amelia like flips and she's like, well, that must be so terrible that you don't have time to go to the gym. And then yeah, she makes a scene. Yeah, she does make a scene, but I mean, it's not the time and place for it, but it's understandable. Yeah. She was at a breaking point. Yeah. Plus like, even I was listening to this and I wasn't going through anything she was going through. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to tell these women to shut up. Yeah. Cause it was just like, they're uh, first world problems, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I can't go to the gym. And we're sitting here talking to a girl who's like, you know, how her son just pulled out of school. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just being fake. It was so fake. The whole thing with all of them, that was fake. And you can tell that she's just there because she kind of has to be because it's her sister and her yeah. niece. But like, she doesn't want to be there and they don't want her there. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
so the scene cuts to outside where the kids are watching yet another magician. Um, yeah, that's a big theme in this magic. Yeah. I, I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. There has to be a meaning for it. Yeah. Though, Cause it is, it's throughout and on different sides of it. Yeah. Um, so if you're paying attention to this scene, you notice that Samuel's not with all the kids watching the, the magician. Um, so Ruby ends up going up to her treehouse. And that's where Sam is, and he's kind of huddled up into the corner by himself, like yeah, and, like, he's, and he's almost in a fetal position, but like a sitting fetal position. Yeah, and he look, he looks sad, and they portray like think Adam's family, like how they portrayed Pugsley, that pale skin, and yeah. that dark look. He had that very like sickly look, yeah. Even though he wasn't sick, but they were really demonstrating like he was so different than everybody else. Everyone else, beautiful princesses, is having fun, mm-hmm. and here's this kid sheltered up in a corner like a, a wounded animal or yeah. something you know yeah. um so she ends up telling samuel to get out of there um because it's her tree house and then uh, she brings up the babadook and how it's not real and sam says that it is um that's just like a quick little scene um and then it cuts to Amelia and Claire arguing in front of the house. So we don't know if Claire kicked her out or if Amelia just got up and left after that conversation or not. But it's just the two of them sitting out in front of their house having an argument. Um, this is when Claire tells Amelia, it's been seven years. It's time to get over it and move on with your life. And that, yeah, that's when we first hear how long it's been since, yeah. the, since this accident yeah. you see in the first scene. Yeah. But, well, we know... That it's been that long, though, because Samuel has made reference to, oh, my dad died, take him home to the hospital. To, yeah, to and that, that's me. something we didn't talk about yet. But, yeah, she, they were on their way, and he, the, the, the concept is, like, they got in the accident because he's rushing her to the hospital because she's going into labor. Yeah, yeah. So, magically, she survives, so gives birth, but, mm-hmm. you know, the father didn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Claire tells Amelia it's time to get over it. Uh, then the scene again cuts back to Ruby and Samuel. Things get heavy here. Yeah. And Ruby's making fun of Sam for not having a dad. Um, I, th- I think she says something like, Oh, I know exactly. What she, she said that one line was that you don't have a dad. Your dad did a, your dad left you because he didn't want to be yeah, with you. That's yeah. And but before that, uh, but then she's going on about how nobody likes him. When did he go on and say that the Baba Duke will rip her arm off her? No, he said that first, right? Yeah. He'll rip your arm off and like eat you or destroy you. And he was very graphic about how the Baba Duke would kill this little girl. Yeah. Then she lashes out by insulting his dad. Mm-hmm. And then he stands up and he just shoves her ass right out of that tree. Ass. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame him. But, but you can see the instant remorse too. Like yeah, it was just such a grief. reactionary thing. And he's standing at the door of the treehouse, and he's just like, Oh my God, what did I just do? Kind yeah. of thing. And let's also note that the treehouse isn't super, super high up. It's not like a giant tree. No, it's one of these standalones. Yeah. But I mean, this girl's six years old. So yeah. She went down. It's hard. probably like maybe a five foot fall. Yeah. She went down hard and she did not brace herself. No. And uh, so, yeah. She's on the ground, blood coming out of her nose. Yeah. Um, Amelia and Claire come running over. And then uh, Claire yeah, uh, Claire picks up Ruby and then... Um, loses her shit. Yeah, and then Amelia says, well, like, what can I do to help? And Claire spins around and says, look after the kids. Do you want another one to get hurt? Yeah, implying and then, that her son's going to hurt another child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then uh, and does a cut scene to Samuel and you see the horror in his yeah. face. Like it's heavy. Yeah. Like you feel that he's so remorseful, but he also knows, oh, I'm in so much shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then uh, it cuts to the next scene, which is um, Amelia and Samuel in the car. And he's uh, screaming in the back seat and she's yelling at him. And then she spins around and screams, why can't you just be normal? And uh, yeah. yeah, that was sad. Yeah. And then he, at this point, so she screams that. And at this point, he kind of like stops his screaming and looks beside him in the back seat and starts screaming, get out. Like like he's seeing something else in the car. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up having a seizure. Which was totally random. Yeah. I don't. That would just happen out of nowhere. Yeah. Like he's never had a history of seizures or anything. No, and it's not like they're giving you undertones of it. No. It was just, it happened. Yeah. So, um, obviously they go to the doctor and, um, Amelia is like begging this doctor, like, can you, is there anything that you can give him to just make him sleep through the night? And the doctor was like really hesitant at first. And she's like, I, I like, I need this. I need, she this. almost looks like a junkie. Yeah. They're portraying her. Like the doctor feels uncomfortable because she's like so exhausted. Yeah. And she just is beside herself. Yeah. She's coming across as like, I need it. I need it. And yeah. he, he's feeling like, oh, this is not the right thing. Yeah. You know? And he was like, well, normally, like, we don't like doing this with kids. Especially but, that young. Yeah. Especially that young. But he ended up prescribing her with uh, tranquilizers for um, Samuel. Yeah. Some sedative. Yeah. Um, so it's bedtime. And they, like, this this conversation was, like, really heartfelt. Like, he was saying, like, I don't want to lose you. And, he, really he said, like, I don't want you to go away, um, something like that. Um, like, basically implying, like, that he doesn't want to happen to his dad. Like, to happen to his mom would happen to his, his dad. dad yeah. um, you're seeing a little character progression here. Yeah, and he says, I'll protect you if you protect me, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and now you're seeing him go from this insufferable kid yeah. to this kind of, like... And now you're really feeling for him. Yeah, because he... he you see he was lashing out, but now he sees his mom's crashing. Mm-hmm. He's seeing it and he's feeling guilt for what he did. So now he's like, he started, this is where he slowly starts that caregiver role and you yeah. see it switch. Yeah. Um, so Samuel ends up taking the, the pill um, right before bed. And then Amelia wakes up in the morning. Like, no. So he takes the pill and then Amelia goes to her bed and it's just a scene of her. Like, it looks like she's falling from the ceiling, just like onto her bed. Yeah, and like it's she's just like an escape. Yeah, it's just like finally, like I'm yeah. actually gonna be able to get this sleep. Yeah. Um. So Amelia wakes up at 11 a.m. and Sam is actually still sleeping. Um. There's a knock at the front door, so she goes and answers it, and there's nobody there. Yeah. So she sh- shuts the door, walks away, and then there's like this huge banging at the door. Like <laughs> sounds like a 500 pound guy. Just yeah. So she ends up going back to the door, opens it. There's still nobody there, but she looks down at the front step this time, and the book is back. Yeah. The book that she destroyed. Yeah, the book that she had ripped up and threw in the garbage. Um, It's sitting there on the front step, and she picks it up and starts flipping through it, and all the pages are glued back together. Yeah. Um, But at this time, there's more to the story added, um, and it's the Babadook saying, like – I'm not, I don't remember completely what it says, but it's like, basically like, let me in. Um, something about like, once you let me in, you can't get rid of me or something like that. And how you'll feel once you have me. Yeah. And then she keeps flipping and it shows a picture of her 
um, killing the dog. And then she flips the page again, and it's a picture of her killing Samuel. Yeah. Or it's not her, but it's it's a mother it's killing a, a child. Yeah, and it's obviously just showing that it's yeah. her, really. And then she flips the page again, and it's the same woman with a knife in her hand, and then it, she slits her throat. And yeah. it's like it's a pop up book, so. It's very graphic. Yeah, it shows like her slitting the throat and then like blood pouring out of the throat hole. Yeah. Um, Super dark scene. Very dark scene. Um, So she ends up at this point, she takes the book to a fire and douses it in or fire starter or whatever and then lights it on. She's almost hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. So Amelia ends up. Well, I don't know if she phone. Well, you would assume that she phones Claire to see how Ruby's doing. Um, Ruby needs surgery on her nose. It's broken in two places. Yeah. That's um, yeah. So, uh, um, Amelia's talking to Claire about like what's been going on. She feels like she's being stalked or something like that. And Ruby's like, or Claire's like, I don't have time to deal with your, your shit, shit right man. now. Like I have my own stuff to deal with. If you're that worried about it, call the cops. And one of the big things earlier in the movie that we didn't talk about, they were having a discussion saying how she, right before the, the tree house scene, she was talking to her and saying that, um, I always listen to your shits, but you never take time yeah. to listen to my shit. Yeah. Amelia is saying this to Claire. Claire. Yeah. yeah. And then Claire says, I want to know, but you don't let me know anything. And then that's when she yells at her and says, we don't come by the house anymore. Yeah. She said, it's because it's too depressing. She said, I can't stand your son. Yeah, I can't stand your son yeah. because it, they're just soaking in their grief the whole yeah. time. But yeah, so that's a really good thing. And, and it reintegrates again that her sister so doesn't give a shit, like doesn't want to deal with her problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the next scene is Amelia at the police station to report a stalker. Um, the cop asks her, um, where the book is, and she says, "Well, I, I burnt it." He's like, "Well, if there's no evidence, then Why there's nothing that? we can do." So again, she's feeling defeated about it. She so she ends up going home, and the dog is barking at her at this point, and he like spins around and runs away. So, if you know anything about horror and ghost stories, you know that like the major or like one of the big things is that animals can sense it. Like dogs sense, can sense yeah. it. Sense, sense spirits. Yeah. Dog. Um, and then there's cockroaches running around the kitchen floor and she, the big gross cockroaches. Not yeah. little ones. Big like, what are they? Madagascar hissing cockroaches. They're, just, they're not quite that big, but they're big. Yeah. Though. They're big ones. Um, so she ends up following where they're coming from and she pulls the fridge out away from the wall and there's uh, the wallpaper starting to like lift a little bit. So she pulls it off and there ends up being a hole underneath the wallpaper. Yeah. And then all of these cockroaches start it's pouring out of this hole. I, should, I couldn't make sense of what that meant. No. I don't know. It was I'm an important sure. scene though. So yeah. I couldn't make sense of it though. But these cockroaches are a thing. Yeah. Because the cockroaches come back later on in the movie too. Mm-hmm. A couple times. Um, so after all this, you see her like kind of fucking power cleaning the house and like all the dishes are out. She's cleaning all the dishes. She's mopping the floor. Um, the fridge is still pulled out from the wall. The wallpaper's all ripped off, like that section of section, the wall yeah. now. Um, and the doorbell rings, and it's people from, like, I think it was, like, development, developmental services, like, through the school. I thought it was just, like, child services. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but I think they're through the school. Like, I feel like the school sent them. It's probably that, because she pulled the kid from school. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to school. Yeah. So they've come to check on Samuel and to have Amelia look over some paperwork. Um, and then the female worker 
asks Sam how he's doing and Sam being the kid that he is says, well, I'm really tired from all the drugs that mom gave me. And they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) And like, you look over at Amelia and she just, like you said earlier, she looks like a junkie. Like her hair is all over the place. Like, and in this scene, she looks even worse because she just finished cleaning the whole house. Well, not even finished. Like she's in the middle of cleaning the whole house. And she's burnt there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then the female worker asks Amelia if she could have a glass of water. And it almost like I had thought that she was trying to get Amelia out of the room but so that they could that, talk to Sam, but then they end up following her into the kitchen. Yeah, it's weird because that is a social work thing. Yeah. Like, oh, can you get me something so we can have like five minutes with the kid? And they want to see the kid uninterrupted, like how the child responds without a parent. In the yeah. Room. That's kind of a thing. But then, yeah, so they end up following her into the kitchen to get the glass of water. And she apologizes for the state of the house. Um, she found cockroaches in the house and there was a hole in the wall behind the fridge. And then they all look at the wall where the fridge is supposed to be. And there's no hole there. Yeah. And she was, she kind of backtracks and she's like, I don't know why I said there's a hole in the wall. There was a hole in the wallpaper. Um, yeah. She's starting to lose it. Yeah. They're really bringing that up. Yeah. Um, and that's where we go back to like, how much is this is happening? You know, exactly. Is yeah. she in a hysteric state because she hasn't slept in weeks? We don't know. Yeah. So, how is the cockroach? All that's hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um. So they end up saying that uh, they'll be back in a week. Um, they've obviously caught her at a bad time. Um, they give her the paperwork to look over and whatnot, and say that they'll be back to discuss things. So that night, she's doing the dishes and. From that kitchen window, she can look across to the neighbor's house, who's like a little old lady. And she's been in the movie periodically throughout. Like um, she has that caregiver role. Yeah, you, know? you can tell that they've kind of lived in that house for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. they have a good relationship with the old woman. Yeah. And ironically, her name's Mrs. Roach. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I wonder. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so she looks across to into Mrs. Roach's house, and she's sitting there watching TV. And then she looks back down at her dishes and she looks back up and then there's a figure like kind of in the shadows of the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think Samuel comes into the kitchen at that point and like everything's just kind of done at that point, like for that scene. Anyway. That scene, yeah. Um, one thing with this movie, and I've said it in my reviews, which I'll get into later on, um, this movie's like very choppy. Like the scene's cut like – they're one, hard. Yeah. Like they're the, a hard chop. Exactly. Yeah. It jumps to right to a different thing. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, they're doing their nightly ritual of the bedtime story and the lights flicker again. Like the electricity has been flickering through it. That's a theme. That's a little underlying tone they have going on is electricity flickering. Yeah. Um, so she ends up falling asleep and then she hears scraping near the door and she gets up and she hears the dog on the other side of the door. So she just chalks it up to that. She opens up the door, lets the dog in, and then she goes back to bed. Yeah. Um, but then the scraping happens again and she looks towards the door again and the door creeps open by itself. And um, you you see like a figure come in, but you don't see yeah, who or what thing. it is. Yeah. Like you're really developing like the background here. It's because like it really all seems like it's hallucinations. Like hallucination. Mm-hmm. So then she ends up hiding under the covers again, and you hear for the first time the Babadook chant, which is Babadook, Duke, Duke, 
Duke. And you can't even do justice to the voice. No. Because you haven't heard it at all yet. Yeah. And the only voices you've heard is the little boys and a couple other people. Yeah. So when you finally hear this voice and like you've been building the suspense of like the mother down spiraling yeah. and all these hallucinations, when you first hear it, it's like, <sighs> I remember yeah. like I crawled, like my mm-hmm. skin was crawling. Yeah. Terrifying voice. Um, so she ends up looking up from underneath the covers and, uh, he's on the ceiling and he lunges down at her and then the scene cuts and it all happens so fast, fast. and you don't get a, like a good chance to see what he looks like unless you like slow it down or you pause it right at the right moment. Yeah, yeah. And on IMDb, they actually do have a picture of that scene of him jumping down and like, he's fucking freaky looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's super low budget, but he's, he's scary looking. They did really well with what they had yeah because he didn't have to do much because so much of the fear was built before the character was mm-hmm. even shown yeah exactly um can i remember that movie uh signs yeah you didn't see the alien at all mm-hmm. and when you, you finally, saw their feet yeah when we finally saw the alien though the alien really wasn't that scary looking no. but it was scary and terrifying because they built up the whole movie mm-hmm. to the, the the unveiling of the alien yeah. And that's kind of like the Babadook. Like, he was so scary because you saw what he looked like in the book. They were building it up. And that glimpse, yeah. the voice hammered home. Yeah. Uh, so she ends up falling asleep. No, sorry. She not, no, she lunges awake like she's dreaming all this yeah, at yeah. this point. So you don't know. Yeah, exactly. It just keeps going. So with the choppy edit, like you said, yeah. you really don't know. Yeah. So she ends up flying out of bed, grabs Sam and takes him downstairs. And then she's doing her best to keep herself awake while he sleeps on the couch. And there's like this weird ass TV show on the TV. Um, it's like a, almost like a puppet kind of show, but like it's all like weird monsters and shit. And the Babadook keeps showing up in different scenes throughout this TV, TV show, show she's yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah, he's popping up. Um. So in the morning, she doesn't end up sleeping all night long. Um, in the morning, she calls in sick to work. And they're saying like, like, you can't hear what they're saying, but you can tell that they're trying to get her to come in. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm sick. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, she ends up laying down in bed. And then Sam comes into her room. He's saying that he's he's hungry. And, and you said with these pills, like, I have to eat them with food. And... And I'm just really, really hungry. She's not responding to him at all. She's just like laying there. And the and camera's like on her face, but you can see Sam in the background. Yeah. But yeah. it's like zoomed in on her face. And then finally, she uh, she like kind of spins around. She's like, well, if you're that hungry, why don't you go eat your own shit? And then like Sam is obviously really hurt and upset by it's this. He's taken back. Yeah. So he runs out of the room and goes into his own room. And then she kind of closes her eyes again. And it looks like she's going to fall back asleep, but then she ends up getting up and going to see Sam in his room. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes in there and she starts consoling him or trying to anyways. And he keeps like backing away from her, turning his shoulder to her whenever she tries to touch. Yeah. Him. He's closed off. Yeah. For sure. And uh, she does like the classic, like, Oh, well I'll take you out for breakfast and you can have whatever you want. Like you can even have ice cream for breakfast. Yeah, she's trying to gift him the apology. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they end up going out for breakfast and, uh, and it looks like it's a, like a nice time for them. Like they're, they're like, we've seen so much of them like arguing, fighting lately. And this is like a nice, quiet, cohesive moment. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, there's a family behind them that are acting like dipshits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then after breakfast, they're driving around, and Sam's like, oh, where are we going now? And she's like, I just want to drive around for a little bit. So at this point, you see these cockroaches crawling again, all over yeah, her cockroaches again. cockroaches again. Yeah. So she starts – so the cockroaches are crawling all over her lap, and she's like – But she looks kind of out of it before yeah. they even start crawling yeah. around. She's just out of it, a space yeah. cadet. Yeah. It's like – I, like I'm a shift worker. I work nights sometimes. And like, sometimes my drives home, I'm just like zombie. And like, you don't remember getting from point A to point oh, B. It's just a blur. Yeah. yeah. Um, she looks kind of like that. Um, so anyways, she's pushing all the cockroaches off of her and you can hear the Babadook in the car with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you don't see him. Um, so she ends up going around a corner and smashing into another car. And the guy gets out and he starts screaming at her like, I just bought this car. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And like the way they described the audio in that scene was like, he was almost kind of like fogged out. Like mm-hmm. he, they made it sound like she She's was not- there yelling, but she couldn't hear a single thing he was yeah. saying because she was just in shock almost. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. She throws the car in reverse and just drives away. And she just dips. Yeah. Um, they end up um, going home. They're walking back up to the house and Mrs. Roach is outside and she says, oh, hi, sweetie, or something like that. And she, like, Amelia just completely ignores her and walks into the house. Yeah. So, yeah, this next scene is where you can really start to see those those roles reversing, where it's like Sam's moving more into the parent role and Amelia's moving into the child role. Yeah. Um, Amelia's in the bathtub all by herself and she's yeah. got all of her clothes on and, like, the tub's full. Um, and then Sam comes in to see like what she's doing and she picks him up and brings him into the bathtub with and his him. clothes and his clothes. Yeah. Um, and she says to him, it's warm in here. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really dark. Yeah. Um, and you can see like Sam starting to like calm down his demeanor and starts thinking a little more rationally than and he's really worried. His mom. Yeah. You can see he is. Yeah. It keeps expressing like, are you okay? Type of th- like type of remarks and wanting to take care of her, and yeah. she's like just passing them off. Yeah. So after all this, Amelia ends up going to bed with uh, with Oscar's violin, and I I think Sam tries to grab it from her or like take it from her or something like that, and she screams at him, and uh, yeah, she starts goes, to get a lot more aggressive. Yeah, and so she yells at him, and he runs out of the bedroom. So then she wakes up again, or he goes to the chair that's in the bedroom and he huddles onto the chair again like he has been. Mm-hmm. So then she ends up falling asleep. She wakes up in the middle of the night and uh, she wakes up to that, uh, it's like a loud, raspy, almost whisper, like, there's someone in the house. Yeah, that was spooky and sudden. Yeah. And they did it good in the sense that it was such a quiet backdrop mm-hmm. that when it did pop up, it was shocked. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she gets up and she goes down to the kitchen and finds Sam on the phone with Mrs. Roach, yeah. um, asking if they can sleep over there that, like tonight. And he was hiding though. He didn't want her to know that yeah. he was calling because yeah. he knew something was up Yeah, and she was just so pissed, <coughs> but she, she went over and takes the phone from him and so quietly just says, Oh, it's a mistake. Yeah. And it's yeah. really eerie. Like, mm-hmm. like, is she about to turn into a killer? Eerie? Yeah. Like she's just, a zombie essentially the yeah. way she's speaking yeah and then this little boy like the you can't describe it, like you have to see it, but like when he gets caught on the phone he you see his face like oh like terror sh- terror yeah. yeah 
because his mom is like not his mom right mm-hmm. now. And uh, he has that catapult on his back at this scene too. Yeah, he's 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 prepared to defend the house yeah. thing again. Yeah. Um, so like you said, she takes the phone. Um, she talks to Mrs. Roach for a minute, says everything's fine. Like he just thinks that, or he had a nightmare or something like and that. And what did she say? Disobedient. She again. said the disobedient again. Again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at this point she hangs up the phone, starts yelling at Sam saying, is this what I need to do to get you to behave? And like, she pulls out a knife. Well, she pulls out the batteries on the phone first and then mm-hmm. she pulls out a knife and like starts pointing it at him yeah, and like getting closer. And it's like, fuck, is she going to kill her kill kid, kid here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you know from the book. The book yeah. yeah. Um, but then she goes out into the hallway and grabs the phone line and yes. cuts it. Cuts it. Cuts the, the old landline, yeah. Yeah. And then she, he's, sta- Sam starts saying, like, don't let him come in tonight or don't let him in or something like that. And she's like, I'm not letting anybody in this house. Tonight. And she's screaming, like, yeah. the top of her And not like, like shrieking. Yeah, anger. It's yeah. anger, yeah. Yeah. So then she goes around the house and like locks all the doors, locks all the windows and all this. And she just looks batshit crazy at this point. Yeah. Um, So this is where. Dog. Is this the dog scene? It comes up to the dog. I'm pretty sure. So where's Sam? Sam's sleeping at this point then. I think the dog keeps barking. Yeah. And then she. But Sam's gone. Sam's sleeping. Sam's not around for the dog. No. So he's sleeping. And then, yeah, so she ends up killing killing Bugsy. Um, Just like the book showed. Yeah. But you know, thankfully, you don't see, you hear the dog shriek, though. Yeah, the dog yelps, and you can see the dog's legs, like, kicking, and then just, like, stop kicking. Uh, and then she, like, tosses the dog to the side, and then runs upstairs, and Sam is up in his room, and uh, he's got this, like, little homemade crossbow, and he shoots her with that. And then she comes, like she keeps coming in, and then he uses that catapult and fucking drills yeah, her head made, like, wall. Yeah, he's made like Home Alone esque yeah. weapons. Yeah, and then he ends up so hits her in the head with that catapult. Then he runs past her and runs down into the basement because I think he sees the basement as like a safe place. Cause where his dad is. Where his dad is. Yeah. Which is quite the obvious in most horror films. Yeah, and then he knocks her out. Does he knock her out with the ball? I think it hits her in the head. Yeah, it does. But then he knocks, she gets knocked out somehow because he gets her down to the basement and she wakes, she comes too, and she's all tied up. He tied her up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, the movie's really good, but there, if you're going to logically put into it, there were some parts where it's like, how's a six year old moving this woman and yeah. tying her up and, and like these making are, weapons? Yeah. Yeah. He made some real knots. Yeah. So she ends up getting one of her arms free, one of her hands free. And this whole time, Samuel's like kind of saying, like, like you got to get him out, or you got to let him out, or something like that. And it's like it's like the child knows that like she's holding on to this depression or grief. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like I said, like so much of these parts, like you don't think they make so much sense. So you're still saying, is it hallucinations? Yeah, is it all actually happening? Because mm-hmm. you don't know because she's so exhausted looking, and you know. And then this, yeah, this young kid making weapons and tying knots and dragging her to the basement and then he just keeps letting her know that she needs to let him out let him out because she's let the grief take over now mm-hmm. and that's what letting babadook in is yeah he's taking control of everything yeah and the little boy now is, is take that caregiver role fully yeah. and sees the mom needs to be restrained and forced to deal with what she's going mm-hmm. so then she ends up getting the one arm free and then she unties her other arm and samuel 
he comes over to her to, I don't know if he's trying to tie her hand back up or what, but she ends up grabbing him by the throat and starts choking, choking him. him. And uh, this scene, like, for me as a dad, like, this scene really, I was like, what the fuck? Like, it it, it almost made me emotional because hey, yeah. you see the look on his face and it's just pure, like, why is my mom, mom doing this to me? me? And she's choking him and choking him and choking him. And then you see her face and then you just see his hand. And his hand starts like stroking her cheek. Like he's taking care of her. Yeah. And he still loves her despite her trying to hurt him. Yeah. And like he's like very close to death. And then finally she stops and like kind of tosses him off of her. Yeah. Um, after that scene, she kind of flips over onto her hands and knees and she starts to vomit up this like black shit. Yeah. And, and I thought that was super symbolic. Yeah. So you automatically assume that that's the Babadook. Babadook. Yeah. Um, so she ends up hugging Sam and they think everything's over. But then Sam says something like, you can't get rid of the Babadook. And then next thing you know, he like a ghostly presence kind of pulls him all the way up the stairs up to his bedroom. Dragged his ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like paranormal activity. Yeah. Very paranormal activity. So then she f- runs up the stairs after them and she gets into the room and Sam's like getting tossed into this wall. He does like that happens twice. Yeah, that's cake. yeah. And then she grabs Sam and like gets him down on the bed and like, the whole bed's like vibrating Finally. and shaking. Yeah, exorcism style. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Babadook ends up appearing. Um, at, at, I don't know if it's out of the wardrobe or if it's just at the other end of the room. And she starts yelling at him like, get the fuck out of my house. You're trespassing in my house. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, if you ever touch my son again, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, she's taking control. Yeah. And then Sam starts to get pulled towards the Babadook again, but she grabs a hold of Sam and, like, pulls him in. Right back, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so it's like the Babadook realizes that he's powerless against her now, so he kind of backs up. Yeah, yeah. Gets he's losing scene. strength, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's the last you see of the Babadook for now. Mm-hmm. Um, the next scene is... Uh, um, those social service workers are back again. They're talking to them in the... They're doing their two-week follow-up. Yeah. And uh, like we had mentioned before, uh, like the clothing's changed on Amelia. Yeah, they, she, they put her in white. Yeah, she's and she, more and in there's, white. And there's like an aura. They made to make sure that like there was a light around her. Yeah. She was bright. And you can tell that, you can tell that uh, Amelia and Sam are happy, um, like more happy than they, they were obviously uh they're talking to the service workers about how um it's sam's birthday because they have like banners posted like put up all over the house and nobody's there with them nobody's there with them yeah and uh the female service uh service worker is like oh is it your birthday today and sam's like yeah this this is the first birthday i've ever celebrated and amelia's like no it's not like why would you say that and he's like well it's the first one that i haven't had to share uh, yeah. Or no, it's the first one that we've actually done on my birthday. Yeah. And uh, then Amelia explains to them that Oscar died taking her to the hospital to have Sam. Yeah. Um, and then like after that, life seems to be normal. Like they're having like a little mother-son birthday party kind of thing. Yeah. They're eating sandwiches and shit in the backyard. Um, and then they're like in the garden and Sam picks something up and she's like, oh, you... That's a good one. Like you found, uh, you found a bunch of good ones today, and it shows a bowl, and it's a bowl full of worms, like earthworms. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, what the fuck? And then uh, Amelia takes the bowl and goes into the house, 
And um, Sam follows her and he's like, well, when can I see it? And she's like, not yet. She said, I'll let you see it, but just not yet. Like, yeah, this was, like, this is where it got like really messed up. Yeah. But, like so much underlying tones to it. It was yeah. so crazy. So she takes the bowl of worms down to the basement um, where you find out that the Babadook is now staying. So she's like, she's, feeding. she's still feeding it, but it, it it's, controlled. it's controlled. And that's crazy. And that's where like you really start to realize like we're talking about depression and mental yeah. illness. And, and when she was throwing it up in the earlier scene, it was her like admitting she was sick. The sickness was coming out of her because she was getting care from her son. And then at the end now they're giving you this. And even when he said, you can never get rid of it, yeah. it's because you can't. Because mm-hmm. if it's a mental health issue and it's not a temporary depression or something, mm-hmm. we're talking about something that will carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. So him saying that to her, it was really kind of letting you know that, okay, this isn't going to go away just because we have this this moment of clarity. It was like, they're going to have this scene, they spew it up, and then they still have to feed it constantly. Mm-hmm. Because it just needs to be managed as a mental illness. It needs to be managed. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird way to do it. I didn't understand the earthworms, but it was kind of like she has it locked up, but it's under control. Mm-hmm. And she won't let him see it anymore. So yeah. now she's hired her grief from him and has it under yeah. control. Yeah. That was super cool. But like, it's cool that she's going to let Sam in at some point, like let him understand what's, what it is. What like, it what's is. Going on. And a lot of time mental illness passes on generationally. Mm-hmm. And if he has PTSD or anything like that, mm-hmm. where you know you had a lot of signs of behavior problems. Yeah. And when she first goes down there too, like the Babadook like screams at her and like kind of lunges at her. Like you don't see it, but you can see her reaction Nothing. to She's what he's yeah. doing. But she is kind of like, oh, it's okay. Like, sh- like shush- shushes them and says, Yeah, she's okay. trying to calm it when the trigger happens, yeah. which is even more mental illness. It's like the trigger's there. She knows it's there, but now she knows how to deal with it. Yeah. It's so deep. Yeah. And yeah, that's the last scene. Like she goes up to the, she goes back up with Sam and that's the end of it. it it's a great movie. Yeah, it is. And then, yeah, like you just take like the, the one thing you walk away from after that scene is like, you're asking yourself how much of it happened, how much of it didn't happen. Yeah. What did it mean? Yeah. And that was one of those fun ones where you're no right, wrong answer. Yeah. But like you look at it as it was something living with her. Yeah. She finally addressed it and now she's taking care of it. Yeah. And, and they're not giving it, they're trying to get rid of it and they're hiding it. She's taking care of it. Yeah. That was the message. She's feeding it and taking care of it. So it's controlled. Yeah, exactly. That was crazy. Yeah. That's the end of the movie discussion. So we'll go on to our own reviews. So um, KCR reviews are a two part. Like we rate the story from one to 10 and then okay. we rate the quality of the movie from one to 10. Um, so I'll start. I gave the story a 10 out of 10. I mean, I don't think you can really get any better than this yeah. in in forms of visualizing uh the depression like i don't think any movie's ever visualized it more than this or mm-hmm. better than this mm-hmm. um so i a little write-up i said was an it's an incredible story um showing the after effects of trauma and loss as well as showing the dysfunctional family that comes from those Trauma. those traumas yeah, yeah. um using monsters as a means of showing these feelings is it something entirely new but i don't think it's ever been done this well right uh, and my quality, I gave it an eight out of 10. So Jennifer Kent, who again is the director, she, I said, she's a natural. Um, she used her small budget, which was 2.5 million, which I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's still a fairly small budget. Small budget. Um, she used that very effectively. And although I wasn't really a fan of the choppiness of the film, um, I feel like it was done on purpose. Like there's, yeah, it like was it, definitely conveyed. Yeah. 
Um, I liked that you don't really see the Babadook very much. Um, but uh, I wish when we did see him, he looked a little bit better. Yeah. Like, I, like he was very amateur looking. He was creepy looking, but like, it, I don't know. It wasn't like super. It was comic book. Yeah, it wasn't super well done. Um, the acting was fucking incredible from everybody, everybody. really. Like everybody that's in the movie. Maybe Robbie. Well, <laughs> but like the main characters yeah. are, are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, like the fact that Noah Wiseman is only six years old and he's just like in this movie, I found he was a better actor than like 80% of the actors that are yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah. He stole the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what about you? I gave a 10 out of 10 of the story. Yeah. Um, like you said, the, I don't know any other movie that's described like those things. And for me personally, like, I've, I've had that. Like there's that one scene at the bathtub. Yeah. And the depression sneaking in, yeah. and that's where you're supposed to find that self care and relax. Yeah, and you're just quiet, and then it's like the Babadook's coming into you, mm-hmm. and that's just that negative thought creeping in. I thought, shit, like I personally connect to that. For me, I'm like, the story's amazing because yeah. how they're they're displaying the real life feelings and emotions yeah. as a monster. That's really what living with a mental illness is. It yeah. is a monster. Yeah. Quality, I was the same as you. Eight. Seven, eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, I looked at it like, uh, like you said, there was some editing that was choppy. I think it was intentional to make it more stronger. But like, you know, it's a low budget movie. You're yeah. not gonna get a ten out of ten for it. Yeah. It's nothing exactly. like The Conjuring or something, yeah. right? Where you have crazy wild scenes where like stuff needs to be really over the top. And you have like an unlimited budget to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. So we'll move on to the Rotten Tomatoes section. So the critics' consensus for the movie is uh, the Babadook relies on real horror rather than cheap jump scares and boasts a heartfelt, genuinely moving story to boot. Um, I like that it's that psychological horror. Like, I jump scares are cheap, in my opinion. Super I cheap. And I this movie like could have been full of them. Yeah, it could. And they didn't, which is huge. Yeah. Uh, the critics scored it at 98%, which is certified fresh on uh, 235 reviews. And the audience scored it at a 72%. On, a week? Yeah. I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't either. On uh, 38,868 reviews. So we'll move on to the scare rating. I gave it a 9 out of 10 for psychological horror. I said, like, as a parent, this movie scares the shit out of me to think about, like, what the human psyche is capable of. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I was rating it on traditional horror, it wouldn't be no. nearly this high, but that psychological aspect really jumps it up. Yeah. For me, I think the same thing. Like, I, I when I was going over the template for this, I was looking at it, and I'm like, like, 9 or 10 for the, the factor of the realism. Yeah. The realism is what makes it scary because – everything that they're going through aside from obviously the monster doing the crazy throwing the kid around and stuff yeah. like that that's all real yeah. and if you live with that that's more terrifying than me seeing a, a demon possess someone in a chair so like the realism of the actual pain that they're going through that's an everyday life thing for people yeah but if you base it on other horror movies like an like example i like to use is the conjuring because for me that movie scared the shit out of me like yeah. when they had that when the witch fly like yeah, goes yeah. around the room or whatever, but that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But you're not going to have that in a movie like mm-hmm. this. So yeah, traditional, no, it's probably like a six out of 10 because there's not such a scary element. It's just underlying tones are terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the trivia section, 
So director Jennifer Ken holds the rights to the film. When asked if there would be a sequel, she said, I will never allow any sequel to be made because it's not that kind of film. I don't care how much I'm offered. It's just not going to happen. Like I respect that for sure. Um, the movie had a campaign where you could buy a copy of the hand-created Babadook pop-up book for $80. Which is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, the first 2,000 copies were numbered and signed by Jennifer Kent. Um, the book contains pop-up pictures as well as additional pages that were not seen in the movie. Um, the campaign was only open for a limited amount of time uh, in which roughly 9,500 books were sold, which is pretty fucking cool. Like 9,500 times 80. Like she... I don't know who got that money, but they got some good money. Uh, in Hebrew, Babadook means he is coming for sure. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, director Jennifer Kent was extremely sensitive about introducing the themes of the film to child actor Noah Wiseman. During the first, or sorry, during the three weeks of post-production, she carefully gave him a child-friendly version of what the story was about. Wiseman's mother was on set throughout filming and Wiseman himself was never actually present on set during scenes in which Essie Davis's character abuses her son. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Davis instead delivered the lines to an adult actor who stood on his knees. Kent is quoted as saying, I didn't want to destroy a childhood just to make this film. That's cool. And you're going to think this is pretty cool. The scream that's heard repeatedly throughout the end of the movie is that of Motaro, a character from Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah. So I went onto YouTube and I found like those screaming sounds of Motoro and I was like, oh, that's fucked. Like it sounds just like it. It's really <laughs> cool. All right. So that's the end of it. Um, Casey, thanks for coming out and replacing that fucking asshole Brooke who's in Europe right now. Yeah. On a three week vacation. Yeah. Uh, he's currently in Spain. Um, but yeah. So it's. Uh, 818 on Saturday night and our Patriots are in the playoffs. So we need to get off this and watch that. <laughs> um, so Brooke and I will be coming back in two weeks and uh, I don't know. Um, well, I'll just say what his movie is, but yeah, he, he chose the strangers to watch for our next episode and I'm pumped for that. It's one of my favorite horror movies. So anyways, thanks. All right. Thanks guys. Bye now. What's up, guys? It's uh, Mark here. Um, just before this ends, I want to do a quick little podcast shout out uh, to a few few podcasts that um, we've been listening to pretty frequently. Uh, first up is uh, it's a horror podcast. Um, these are a couple great dudes. Um, you should definitely check them out if you haven't already. Um, they released an episode uh, just before Christmas, um, so they should be coming out with one pretty soon. I'm not sure the exact date though, but. Uh, definitely keep your eyes and ears open for that one and secondly i just want to give a quick shout out to we are horrified um another great couple of people cam and emily um they're releasing a new episode next week i believe uh so it should be a good one um right now they're doing their listener request month so uh these next couple movies that they're going to be doing are straight from the listeners um so I'm pretty excited to hear that next one. And uh, I guess that's it. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, we'll be releasing some new content in the next couple weeks. Thanks.